0: Hey okay, guys, and welcome to episode 57 of the Garage Athlete Show. We're joined tonight by Daniel Fraser, Rachel, uh, completely forgotten Rachel's
1: second name now. Rachel Smith, <laughs> it's like the most common surname actually... Rachel Smith. How yeah.
2: to tell her, someone that's close to a competition.
0: Yeah. And Richard Cross. So Richard, uh, I believe, used to coach Rachel a few years ago um great. in terms of like some rehabilitation work um because as we all know Rachel does like to mess up her body and her hypermobility makes things a little bit more challenging so uh, at the time she reached out to somebody who uh helped her with that and now the tables have turned and Rachel has educated herself to the point where she's teaching a lot of us stuff so we thought it'd be a great um a great guest to get on uh just have a look at your instagram seems to be very very on it in terms of um just straight talking keeping things simple but you obviously know your stuff as well so yeah richard why don't you introduce yourself uh, for those that don't follow you uh, your instagram handle is roc.fitness on ig so make sure you go and give them a follow okay. and yeah let the people get to know you a little bit better
3: Cool. So um, I've been PT now for about 10 years, Um, initially worked in a sort of typical office job, Uh, just got really sick and tired of it, and uh, decided to make the change and can never look back from there. And since then, I've worked in commercial gyms, I've worked in strongman gyms, sort of on an S&C kind of basis, working with uh, the Foundry in London. And yeah, just. worked in the city as well, like training very kind of, um, very like sort of stressed out uh, people in high pressure jobs. things like that's, and um, so everything from there through to kind of like your average Joes and uh, kind of everything in between.
0: So I can see that you've moved into kind of like uh, online coaching. So when you... You've obviously worked in all these kind of like different areas. Where would you say, like, you the type type of client you prefer to work with?
3: I've got to admit, the the reason that the big shift for me into online came as like a result of COVID, not really a um, sort of a desire to to be purely online. Um, I had the fantastic idea in 2019 to ditch all my online work and go purely into one to one. Okay which was a brilliant idea, uh, obviously, then going into 2020. Um, but yeah, so obviously, off, off the back of that, a lot of uh, PTs now are in the uh, online space a hell of a lot more than they would be, and I'd definitely classify myself in that. Um, but I, I personally really feel that kind of one-to-one is like the core product of personal training. And I personally believe that the best PTs are those who have a really strong background in one-to-one training. And when you've worked with, you know, we've like done thousands of gym hours, you can kind of, when you're working with someone online, um, they can, you can talk to people, not a more individual, but you can find similarities and someone will say something, you, you go, oh yeah, I remember that situation with this client. If you have a client who's a mother and she's got like a, a young child who might be like 18 months or something like that, you go, oh yeah, I remember working with this client. She had a young child. These are the things that worked. These are the things that didn't work, stuff like that. And I find that that's what really um, helps sort of like online coaching is having that background and that knowledge base, which in my opinion can only really be formed from solid one to one BT. And uh, I still do one to one personal training at the moment. Um, me and my housemate, we actually built a gym in our garden over lockdown, uh, which we've affectionately referred to as the shred shed. And, uh, yes, yeah, so we, we train clients out of there, both of us. And, um, yes, yeah, so, so still doing one-to-one. Well, I'd say at the moment I'm now predominantly online as a result of COVID.
0: I think it's an interesting point you say there about, obviously, COVID forced a lot of trainers to go into online coaching. And I don't know about you, but I'll, I think a lot of them weren't ready. They hadn't done enough time on the floor they have not spent enough time in the trenches working with people one-to-one to as you said have that base of experience of right there's this stressed out see um traveling salesperson over here whose life's completely turned upside down just having to work from home and over here your as you said your middle-aged mother with kids like those two people's lives are going to be completely different and how you coach them to get them from a to b is going to be Well, it's going to be different just because they've got different kind of challenges and stuff. So, yeah, I think it's an interesting point that you've kind of made there. And it's good to hear that you um, built a gym at home. So obviously this podcast was created for the Home Gym UK community. The majority of our listeners also kind of like have home gyms. So is that kind of something that you've always wanted to do? Is it just something where it's like, you know what? I'm getting sick of paying rent to gyms now, or is it literally right? I like having a gym in the back garden because the,
3: um, the government can't take it away from me. It's pretty much all of them. Um, so like one of the thing, one of the things in um, I'm based in London and a lot of London gyms will charge uh, freelance personal trainers, 1200 pounds a month. And And then they're kind of all scratching their heads, wondering why no one's come back, Hmm. you know, because the second the gyms were shut, they were just like, "Okay, bye. See you later. Get out. We've we've cut off everything that you had, your revenue stream. Obviously, people then set up online. And so going back to your point about people not being ready, I 100 percent agree with that. Um, I I see a lot of people who've rushed into online thinking it's this absolute goldmine and it really isn't and i think um they've really kind of like missed the wood for the trees but um yeah like um having that sort of home gyms i'm the sort of person where um like exercise is very cathartic for me um it's i really enjoy it i really um like i like keeping in shape i like exercising a bit of a fidgeter so it's really good for me um physically mentally and also i've Built my kind of ethos and training, um, sort of my training plans over basically around free weights and barbell movements. Um, You know, barbell movements I get a bit of stick these days, um, but I personally felt they got huge application for people. And um, so, you know, for me, I don't need you know tons of kit. You know, in my little uh, gym, we've got we've got a rack, we've got a bench, we've got some barbells. Um, loads of plates and tight dumbbells and a kettlebell and we've got a concept two bike and that's it oh and a safety bar and so far i've not had any instance where like i haven't been able to train a client through something or you know and i train clients everywhere through to from um young rugby players through to a um 69 year old um type 2 diabetic and so like everything between and there's always a movement that you can find. And, um, you know, I, I find it very limiting when people say things like, oh, most people can't squat. And I just say like, you know, that's absolute bullshit. Yeah. Can they high bar back squat? Probably not. Can they goblet squat? Yeah, of course they can. Of course they can squat. Can they split squat? Of course they can. Um, majority of people, I find if you take them from a barbell onto a safety bar, their squat really transforms with that, that weight shift. And I always really feel that people kind of, they pick the wrong tool and then blame the tool. And, and that's really not how I, I, I sort of go about it. And um, for me, it wasn't until I moved from a commercial gym where if I had a client who can't squat, i just go, let's jump on the leg press let's jump on the leg extension. And that'd be a great way to blast their quads. But when I moved into a, um, more of an S&C style gym, where the only machine they had was a lap pull-down and a cable stack, suddenly you had to think out of the box. You couldn't just put everyone on leg extensions, leg presses and stuff like that. And you had to really you know, be a bit more creative.
2: Yeah, it's part of the joy of home gyms, I think. I've, I'm hoping to train a bit tonight. I've just got a lap pull down and I'm kind of like, oh, I could do a hamstring if I do this or I could do this. And then you suddenly get, yeah, I think a lot. But I think clients kind of like, I, I moved It um, sounds like we've got sort of similar sort of situation. I was in a gym pre-COVID, but luckily I had a online base similar to how Don was um, before lockdown happened. Um, but then since I opened back up, I've just train out of home so I'm now coaching a few more people from home you know obviously time permitting because I've got a thousand kids but uh it's 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 working good like at first I was a bit I don't know if you found this with setting up your gym I was a bit nervous would people want to train in my home they think oh it's a bit you know a bit rad you know coming in to train this home they're used to these thousands of pounds of gyms but i've actually probably found it's been the other way they quite like that it's just like a you know their own space where they're in don't have to wait for anything obviously you can keep on c- complete control of sanitization and that kind of stuff but then it's almost like you know they get quite a lot of the session because it's just you to there no distractions all the kits based around them and you can get some good sessions
3: in i'd agree with that 100 percent um I found the clients liked it and me and my um, housemate who, um, so he's in the Marines and so obviously he wanted, um, you know, some places where he could keep his fitness levels high as well. So that's very important for him. And um, it was kind of as much for us as it was for our clients, but um, yeah, yeah, like, you know, so we wanted the gym to actually kind of look quite decent. We didn't want it to kind of, you know, look too shabby. Um, so we bought one of those home off outdoor office units.
2: Oh, cool.
3: Um, from that and then we're very lucky to get our hands on some proper gym flooring as well so the cool thing is is that it smells like a gym because of the gym flooring so it's got uh, a real, like thick padding in it um that's so that's kind of a cool. question we get asked in the home gym group flooring <laughs> It's <Yeah>. a dream. <laughs> so we were very lucky that um the foundry where worked they had refurbed they put in some new stuff and basically we managed to get some offcuts of the flooring and so we were very very lucky with that because it was just basically it came across at the right time we were able to pick some up but yeah we we really um we take a lot of pride in it we keep it really tidy because obviously we want clients to see that um although there is that more um sort of casual approach to it and there is there is no it's still professional and it's still a place of work and it's still something that we take quite seriously as well so we're really up on keeping the equipment clean and tidy everything's put away and everything looks quite organized. It's not just a bunch of dumbbells and barbells lying all over the floor. And the cool thing, also the other cool thing we've got is um we astroturfed the grass. Oh awesome. So um what we did, we've we got a really nice mirror fit like full rack um to put goes inside the bench. We've just got some cheap squat stands um I like picked up off eBay and they stay outside. And so when the weather's really nice we can take the kit outdoors. And that's something yeah. that um, clients really enjoy yeah. as well, and um, it really opens up opportunities there because um, on oh, the other key, I forgot to mention, we've got some sandbags, which I absolutely loved. I think they have so many applications, and so you can do things like all of a sudden you've got things like loaded carries, you can do like you know farmers walks, you can do all those kind of things, walking lunges. And you've got space, and then that that really opens things up as well. You can always create little circuits for clients as well. And so all of a sudden, it's not like a limited home gym experience. It's actually, you know, a lot of what they can do is, you know, if anything beyond what they'll be able to do inside a commercial gym.
0: I think it's interesting what you say there about how they're not having to wait for kit. You can completely tailor the session to them. because You know that space, you're going to know that space inside and out. And I think, a lot of people underestimate how much can be done from a home gym. Yeah. Like, unless you're like a high level bodybuilder wanting to have a hundred different isolation exercises. Well, even then, like I'm not being funny. I've done my entire, so I'm prepping for a bodybuilding show, I think in like nine days, my entire prep's been in my home gym. The only reason I've done legs at a commercial gym is because my neighbors were getting pissed off with, um, leg press is making too much noise like if it wasn't that then I'd have done my entire prep at home so I think a lot of people as I said underestimate what can be done with a small amount of space a couple of well-picked bits of equipment and just knowing kind of like what to do and how to mix things up and how to make kind of like adjustments etc so do you yeah, and- Sorry, I think sorry, that comes from people like overthinking in terms of right, the basic principles of training are progressive overload, good form, and exercise selection. So, as long as you keep to those three principles, it doesn't really matter what you do, as long as you have good application of those three. And I think too many people get too caught up in like, oh, the science of X, Y, Z, or I need to be hitting failure, or I need to be doing um, squats like every day, or like all these different nuances that can kind of come into it and all the different ways in which people can achieve those three fundamentals.
3: Yeah. I See, this is where I think the industry, um, the current sort of um, what's going on at the moment um, You know, I'm always interested in, you know, things that come across and things that are new and like learning as much as possible. Um, Because I really kind of, I really don't, I really think that people who sort of like are stuck in the past, they're they're really losing out on all this new stuff that's coming out. But also, I think if we focus too much on all this new shiny stuff, we step over pounds to pick up pennies. Then our clients end up doing that as well. And for me, like I said, I, I'm not training professionals um, in whether it be sport, bodybuilding, powerlifting, anything like that. So for my clients, it's all about consistency and then enjoying training. Because for a lot of my clients, they think that a personal trainer's job is to be right up in their face going, right, give me 10 more. I don't care if you puke, you know, really like almost like boot camp style training. And that's what a lot of people's perception of PT is. Like, you watch these TV shows, like The Biggest Loser, and stuff like that. That's what they think they're going to be doing. That they're going to be literally like being pushed until they collapse. When they actually find that they can really enjoy the process and they can have fun, and um, you know, it's 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 really interesting. And I remember I had a client who wanted to really wanted to get heavier bench press. And I remember saying to him, I was like, well, you know, actually, you know, the bench press isn't probably the best way to grow the pecs. You know, there are things that we can do like with cables and stuff like that will actually be better for growing the chest and stuff like that. And he was like, Rich, I don't care. I just want a big bench press. And at the end of the day, what the client wants, I say, I always say that the job of a personal trainer is to be a facilitator of what the client wants. And half the time, Um, A lot of PTs put more barriers in place for that client, where I feel that we should be taking hurdles out, removing as many barriers as possible so they can make life easier for themselves. And so if it means that, you know, I really like compound movements, I like squatting, I like benching, I like deadlifting. um, I would find doing a seated cable, um, you know, cuffed cable fly Boring as fuck. I just wouldn't want to do it. And if it was on my program, I'd probably do one set and I'll skip the rest or i just just skip it entirely. But if it's a bench press, I'll do it. And I think that's where for a lot of clients, um, we need to find actually what they enjoy, get them into the habit of regular exercise, get them enjoying the process rather than trying to overcomplicate them with tons of uh, new info. Like I had a, um, a client a little while ago and I said, we're going to sit down and talk for his nutrition. And then he, he came out with oh I'm really looking forward to this because I keep hearing people talking about a macro and I'm really like keen to learn what a macro is and he had no idea about those and that this was his level of understanding and this, this guy is a smart guy you know he runs his own recruitment agency in like in the city like he's a very successful bloke and it's just like that, that's how like we, you know our understanding is very different to our clients' understanding and so then if I start talking to him about you know, um, like glycogen levels and insulin hormones and, oh, well, make sure you're doing this because otherwise your granite levels will rise and stuff like this It's completely overloading them with useless information <clears throat> that they really don't need. <clears throat> and then they end up just not getting the benefit from it. Um, one of my clients was saying, well, I go that he saw a post online where someone was talking about... Um, Artificial sweeteners in some people can cause, um, what do they call it, gastrointestinal distress. Yeah. What, I've heard what? that before as well. To those people, if you say gastrointestinal distress, they instantly think the creature from Alien is basically <laughs> just going to come out of their stomach and, like, rip them open right not just they might fart a bit more okay like <laughs> which is really like the big thing so this then person stopped eating protein bars and stopped taking uh protein shakes because they're like oh because it said it's got the artificial sweetness in i thought i should avoid that and it's like no now we just basically you, you're taking like 40 grams of protein a day out of your diet or they might go to a a
0: sugary alternative. And if they're trying, so they might go for full fat coke rather than diet coke. So I I had that discussion with somebody the other day. Well, well, me and Dan have both just picked up our, well, I've got flavoured water here. Delicious, delicious. It's a
2: willow cherry freeway, the hallmark of quality from little. It's delicious.
0: (laughs) It's one of those things that like, if you've got so many calories to use in a day, you what's a 500ml bottle of Fanta? It's probably going to be what thirty grams of sugar. Yeah, but so, those what's that two three hundred calories? Like, yeah, and your okay. body's not going to register those because it's a liquid. And I'd rather somebody have a diet drink that's got like one calorie in, and it means that then I can give them more food through the rest of the day, so they feel better. But it's got rid of that sugar sugar pang now if they were drinking like 5 liters of diet coke a day then maybe you'd have a conversation with them about it but as you said the average person's probably not going to be doing that they'll just they'll they'll pick up a drink or they'll as you said they'll pick up a protein bar or rather than a Mars bar or they'll have a whey protein shake but if they're not as you said it's the nuances of right if you're drinking everything in moderation isn't it so if you're having artificial sweeteners at every single meal then gastrointestinal distress as you said is either you fart a bit more or you might have a bit of a runny poo like that's it like and if you are suffering with your digestion maybe look at the amount of artificial sweeteners that are in your diet but as you said to the average
3: person they don't really need to pay attention to that no And I I just think this is where people overcomplicate stuff and it's why I I hate people using terms like if someone has slightly rounded shoulders, people go, oh, they've got upper cross syndrome. It's like, never tell someone they've got a syndrome because it sounds really fucking serious. And it makes people think there's something wrong with them and it makes them think that they shouldn't exercise and that they need to see a doctor or something like that. And it's, it's really kind of, I think for a lot of it, it's basically what I would call intellectual masturbation, right? You're not helping anyone. You're just jerking yourself off, right? And that's that's happening. Pass.
0: Avoid intellectual <laughs>
3: masturbation.
2: It's a, great, it's a great way of describing it. I went on a rant the other week about the trend of personal trainers saying, saying they're evidence-based. When really, in you know, reality, I think I mentioned it last week where, you know, they've watched a few Lane Norton videos and have read an abstract. It's like, that doesn't make you evidence-based. Like, have you sat and read the whole, um, you know, paper, like, from start to finish? Like, have you actually really understand it? Do you know what this is going on about? And then Whereas they kind of like you saying, do these things. Whereas the other things, I was like, you have to. Uh, my favorite one is on the dead is you must pull your shoulders back and flatten your back and look up and keep your chin up. And some of them, it's so generic. And it's like, well, that's actually going to make that problem worse for that. Sorry, that, that technique is going to make it worse for that person. And it's a bit infuriating. I know Ray, um, Rachel's having uh, a lot of that battle at the moment with uh, your um, pelvic health stuff. And it's just like. But I guess that's why we have jobs, okay? Because we need to educate and help people.
1: What's <laughs> the back of that, though? It's like, obviously, we do our assessments based on, like, movement and things like that. But it's also your assessment based on the person who they are and their understanding when they come to you as well as the client. Like, how far along in their journey are they? Who mm. they worked with in the past? And what are they coming to you with in their head? Like, what is their level of understanding? Because it might be that you need to unpick some of that because they've either misunderstood or who they've worked with hasn't been um, like the best source of information. Um, so it might be a matter, like a matter of re-education or it might be the case that this is not something they need to worry about there and then. So it's like yeah. I would pick and choose exercise selection and your regression or progression you do in terms with like the language you use and the level of application that they need there and then. If it's going to make a difference, you use it. If not, you're waiting. It's like a staggered approach, but like we've seen in like the transformation groups that we do, you kind of give the information there, but because it's not one-to-one, people will take and digest. And for some people, it's just far too much. So they're trying to run before they're like even crawling. And then again, because it is group-based, they think, right, well, I should know all of this. Everybody else here is consuming it as well. So we're all on like that level playing field, whereas it's kind of you... Sort of processing it yourself and saying am i ready for that i might want to be but am i doing all of sort of the prerequisites to allow me to make the most of this information or is it just like more shit that i'm going to be thrown at something in the hope that it might stick?"
3: yeah i i I, I feel that with a lot of this information it's like you know they claim they do it with the interest of like their clients But half the time I see people who've been on these like courses about biomechanics and stuff like that just getting into arguments with other trainers on Instagram. And it's like, so tell me how this is helping your client, that you're arguing with some bloke in America over what hits the clavicular fibres. Like, no one cares. Literally no one cares. The best one I
0: had was I, I put up a post that was like promoting, I think it was flexible dieting. Mm -hmm. And somebody was trying to argue like having a like set meal plan was like the best thing to do. I was like, "Well, have a set meal plan then." Like, I'm not not telling you what to do. Like, if you want to eat off a set meal plan, eat off a set meal plan. If this person wants to do flexible dieting because they can't eat off a set meal plan because they have kids, they have a wife, and they don't want to diet, like let them crack on. I don't want to work with you who's trying to argue with me. I want to work with this guy over here <laughs> who yeah. I can help
3: actually reach their goals. So basically you can, oh. <laughs> it's like that. It's just, it's, um, I just find it so, and I just, if, uh, this is the problem is that people say they're looking to educate. And then you look in the comment section of these educational posts and it's just infighting, bickering, passag, you know, comments and stuff like that. And if you're a newbie, Then, you know, you you see all this and you're like, oh, fuck me, that looks complex. And then you go look at something like Joe Wicks and you're like, oh, this guy seems quite fun. I understand everything he's saying. He's talking to me on my level and I can do all the stuff that he's talking about. Yeah, I don't really, you know, so who are they going to go with?
2: They're going to go with Joe Wicks. You've nailed it. Like, we we... God, I, I, oh, so you've really hit the nail on the head there. Like Joe Wicks, it was this massive trend, wasn't it? Everyone to absolutely rip Joe Wicks and say, oh, what a dick. Oh, look at this, he's, you know, stupid hair and he's done this and all that. I'm like, well, well, just he, you're not his target audience. And you know, even he, I know he said some made some bold claims with his recipes and things, I think, but then but you know, not bold claims, there was quite a lot of calories and stuff. It's like we've all done that when we were younger, right? But then it was more like I think he has gone a bit more um backtracked in terms of sorting out the calories in his Recipes and stuff like that. But at the same time, you know this guy is insanely successful, and you know we we had his PE stuff on when we were home. And yeah, it's you know it's just kind of mindless hit. It's quite, it was quite funny watching him jump around for ages and all that. But I was like, you've got to remember, as a trainer, as a coach, as well, you end up working with a lot of people that have started with Joe Wicks and then want to learn more, and then you end up working with a lot of them so you shouldn't i don't weird. think people should hate him so much i after watching him do all this stuff i, I think he's quite funny i've, I've learned to quite like him. It,
1: i of actually very, did, no, I did like, the first two cycles of this thing and i actually got fairly decent results but the reason it works is because it gets you to focus on something yeah. which is about like cooking putting like actual ingredients in your body preparing mm-hmm. meals looking at what you're eating and then you start to feel good so then you've got to buy in so it doesn't even it could be like it could be horse shit you were eating but if it actually made you feel good you're gonna keep eating that horse shit because it, you're getting out of it sort of the intended purpose as to why you've begun something so like I'll put my hands up and I, I don't know if I featured on like these online thing I think i got in like one of the groups and I didn't make it online and I was like oh, for fuck's sake man Rachel like how, how do I get in this? And then I was like, right, I'm going to chill out. Yeah, but that's like actually what got me into yeah. sort of looking after myself a little bit. So yeah. I am all <laughs> about Joe Wicks. <laughs>
2: that's great. Yeah, he's, um, I think uh, i think I followed, I don't know if i followed him, but he's a mate of one of the guys I used to play rugby with Aisha with years ago. And you could sort of see how it started doing these like 15 second recipes on, was it Instagram at the time? Because so, it, it was a, what Instagram only had like, 15 second videos. Do you remember that? You could only post a 15 second video and then just from there just exploded. But, you know, you know, he's a guy that knows his marketing. Bloody hell, he's gone well for it. But I think it's a good, you know, yes, he's not doing all these crazy stuff and all that. But yeah, it's good basic info. But then I think that was like you said earlier, Rich, um, stepping over was it penny uh, pounds to pick up pennies? Is, is, I love that saying. I think it's just absolutely spot on. You know, I'm, I come from a you know rugby and then powerlifting, strongman background, and it's particularly in powerlifting, people go way, way, way over the top, like in you know, all like insane amounts, to the point where it's like you know you look at you know some of the, some of the world champions around. You know, I think Britain currently has uh, the world champion under twenty one twenty class. You know, and you literally look at his training; he's just in the garage. You know, training from home, smashing, you know, nailing his five fives, nailing his three eights, doing his heavy triples, adding a bit more weight, just a very simple thing. But the consistency over years is what's, as well as some genetics, as well as what's gotten this results. Not <laughs> wondering about what tension band should I use or is this chain the right height and, you know, what degree of my bench should I use. And it's like, well, it's, yeah, majoring in minors.
3: It's like looking at, you know, people like Luke and Tom Stoltman, mm. the guys who just basically just who are just so 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 good at the basics mm. the point where they turned it almost into an art and that's it and i say like, you know kind of go back to that joe wicks thing like oh yeah but he used to have these really high calorie recipes yeah and charles polyquin used to tell people if you have a sugar craving mix five grams of glutamine with double cream
2: oh i love the old product. Do you remember the old alternation yeah. days like did, did you ever do with you i i, I mate, i'm not joking i think for a few months, I had something like 45 grams of fish oil a day because polygrid said I should.
3: Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah take, you used to have the thing of you take one gram per percent of body fat. Yeah. And all this stuff and all the biosignature stuff, like, it's, it's, it's mad. And, um, you know, it's like, you know, no one will call that out, but we'll call out Joe Wicks and go, oh, that's irresponsible because he put halloumi in one of his recipes. Yeah, it's, it's insane, isn't it? It's like, you know... It,
0: it, what it is, is it's jealousy... Yeah, Yeah. I think so. I think so. It's the fact that actually Joe Wicks knows how to market himself. He knows exactly the type of people he needs to work with. That whole... um, He got in there first with, like, the, the kids' workouts. It wasn't the kids'. So he... And it's the parents that he wants. He did all those things for free, gave up his time for free. He had a captive audience. I think his following jumped from a couple of million to, like, tens of millions now. And every single time somebody's like, oh, you shouldn't do that. You shouldn't be making money off it. You should give that money to the NHS. He went, you know what? That's going to be a fucking great thing to get me in the paper. I'm donating everything YouTube's given me and I'm giving it to the NHS. Mm. So screw you guys. Who? And now he's he stopped doing that. But all those followers that came, that came to him in that time mm. – When he puts out his new program, his new paid program, guess who's going to all see it first? So, all these people that are salty because he's doing well for himself, it's just like get to know your audience better, stop focusing on what somebody else is doing and improve what you're doing. Focus on your business rather than what everybody else is.
1: Training like that, though, because we've seen in the groups, like in our previous one and in the transformation group now as well, comparing yourself to other people throughout the process. And it's like, even if you've done exactly the same thing as them, same starting point, same everything, you are physiologically a different human and you are going to respond differently to everything. And that is like, if you are like identical and we know everybody's not, and that's kind of the ongoing like conversation that I'll still have with like my online clients, I know we all do. And it's a case of, as much as we want this for you, we can't do it for you. As much as we'd love you to be five years down the line, you're not. And you've kind of got to tick those boxes. And it's not the case of program hopping or doing something else because you fancy it that week. It's a case of we need to know what's going on here so we can make the improvements on it. Are you sticking to the things that we've agreed on, the things that you said you would do so we know where to take this together? But again, just with what all you guys have said, like we're talking about like the language and how we simplify that. So it doesn't come across as being like quite a Um, but also how we simplify uh, like exercise explanations as well, because we've all had to do that with moving online. And it's not the case of being there to actually physically move someone. I think that's demonstrated more than anything the past year and a half, just how good people's knowledge is at kind of what they coach, the people they coach and the, cues and nuances that you need to use that are very intra individual as well.
3: Yeah, I, see I, I, I massively agree with that and like, um, it's like like um, so it's a thing like with um, like films like Shrek and Finding Nemo and stuff like that they're like they're kids films yet they have jokes in them that only adults will get because they know parents are going to be the ones taking the kids to the cinema. So they put these jokes in to keep the parents happy. And so the parents find it entertaining and not just bored. And it's I find it's the same thing with fitness, is that if you just try and drive all this stuff about moment arms and talk and things like that, people just switch off. It's are not interested in it. You, you get someone, you know, you pick an exercise that really, really suits them and they get good at it. And you just suddenly just tell them, that was really good. That's, that was a perfect deadlift. Like, that was really, really spot on. Like, you know, you're really, really strong at this. You're really good at this exercise. And they're like. Oh, wow. Yeah. And they want to do it again. And like sometimes like they'll be going, oh, Rich, can we uh, do a deadlift again today, please? It's like, yeah, of course you can. And it's just all of a sudden they're enjoying that process. Whereas, you know, if I told, you know, started to bore them to fucking tears talking about actually a seated hamstring, you know, seated leg curl is going to be the best way to get the, the hamstring for its fully shortened position and stuff like this. Like, no one cares. And I said, that person switches off and then goes somewhere else. And it's, it's about talking um, and the, talking to the client's level and then kind of like upskilling them from there. And it's like, Rachel when we first started training, because obviously your knees, knee was fucked, we were box squatting on a safety bar.
1: Yeah.
3: Yeah. And then, you know, down the line, you were back squat what, well, higher bar back squatting? Was it like 130 for reps? Yeah. So like you say so that's the journey, but like we started off with like what? What can you do? You can't squat deep. So let's just find the level you can, put a box there, and that's where we're gonna squat, stick the safety bar there. And it was just that just really
1: worked. But that's showing like how you can progress something, but and but not like oh, you've got to earn the right to be under the bar, you've got to earn this, which you'll also hear as well. And that I'm a lot of clients off because they're like, well, okay, just for example, like, well. because of the size of you, you can't just get like under the bar or anything like that. You've got issues with it. If you're going for a deadlift setup, you need to roll it because you might have a spare tire around the front, some extra weight. That's not gonna stop you from lifting. You've just got more things that you need to account for. And as long as it's coached safely, there's no reason why something can't progress. And all you're doing by like, for example, I came in, you haven't got a leg press to put me on and you don't know kind of how to manage me based on your experience you either then have to refer me on to somebody else or then you go, um, right, well, we're not going to squat today. I'm going to walk out that door. That's what I've come in to do. And that's what we all get with clients. They come to you for a reason. And that reason's like rehab. It's because you're known to be good at fat loss um just really good at working with the person individualizing things and that's what the person comes to you for and it's you know you are selling yourself with every session because it's a paid service it's a luxury and we're very fortunate for the clients that put their trust and faith in us to help them but at the end of the day like we've seen across the past year we're like one paycheck away from being on the street basically so as much as we want to work with that person, you you know, it's got to be going all in. And when you've taken your services online, sort of those drops in communication or not following through on things become like even more apparent. Like I know myself, a lot of people who've like moved from the coach they were with because that few minutes on the gym floor where they might be like with the phone messing on, they're not going to see that when they're under a bar. But if they're on a Zoom call coaching call and they're expecting that feedback there and then and their coach isn't active, um, or isn't attentive, they pick up on that even sooner or they don't follow through on a message. So that, that's, like, that's my experience across the past year and just feedback I've had from sort of new clients that have come my way as well.
3: Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd absolutely agree with that massively. And um, yeah, like it's it's, a, it's kind of like, you know, fitness game never stay still. It's always changing one way or another. And, you know, it's, sometimes it's quite hard to stay in front of. But then like I said, I think that's, that's part of the challenge is I think there's always going to be sort of misinformation. Like when I, when I, when I first started getting, when I first became PT, like um, Atkins was like the big diet that everyone was following. And then it, then it shifted to, um, you know, it shifted to other diets and stuff like this. And then it was like the Cambridge diet, the cabbage soup diet. And then it comes sort over, of, then it went, sort of went to keto and it was like, Atkins reinvented and the cycle starts again. And there's always going to be that misinformation out there. There's always going to be that, that stuff that we have to combat. Like, you know, previously was, like you said, it was people on Atkins battering themselves on hit, and people were dropping like flies in the gym and passing out. And you see that same thing happening again with people who are on keto and are doing hit workouts and stuff like this. And um, then people who were kind of getting into CrossFit. And then again, trying to, you know, follow these like paleo diets, but do incredibly um, high intensity workouts and end up with something. you know, either they end up passing out, hurting themselves, potentially getting to like, I've had a client who got a rhabdo from going to like CrossFit because very, very first session was given a 200 rep workout. So it was like, um, you had to do like 200 overhead presses, 200 press ups, 200 air squats, 200 this, 200 that. Like, insane amount of volume for someone on their first session. And, uh, yeah, they ended up getting taken to um, to the hospital with uh, rhabdo. Which, people listening, that's a condition where you work the muscle so intensely that it's the muscle itself breaks down and then bits of muscle fibre get into the bloodstream. And then when that gets into the kidneys, the kidneys shut down. Um, And it can be really, really fucking dangerous. And, you know, this is where, like, you know, we're always having to – um sort of stay in front of this and there's always going to be obstacles for it um, but yeah it just comes back to that you know removing the obstacles rather than putting new ones in the way
2: yeah i think that's so. a good point man huh?
3: yeah but to what, there's a guy um i really really like his name's dr john Barardi. he's the ceo of his, um, precision nutrition God, he's been around for donkey's is not he? Yeah. yeah. So, yeah the um, great principles, the uh, was it
2: seven pillars and all that
3: kind of stuff. Yeah. yeah, like the hand size, the hand portion guide and stuff like that. I, I use that a lot. And mm. there's one thing, I went to one of his seminars, and he was doing a Q&A session, and someone said to him, right, let's say you've got a client, um, they drink four cans of Coke a day, um, they are ordering takeaway three times a week, They're very inactive, you know, all this blah, 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 blah. blah. What would you do with them? And he said, from now on, they only drink three cans of Coke a week. If they can do that for an entire week, then we start week two, they're down to two cans of Coke a day. And he's like, that's the way I would do it. he's like, if you want long-term success for that client, that's it. And I just thought that was really eye-opening because – so many people try to take them from like naught to a hundred, like, right, taking all this, all this stuff, going cold turkey, and these you know, huge changes, like from day dot, like it's hard to do. Um, and, you know, it's just most people can, can do one can of Coke less a day. It doesn't feel like a chore. And then it's just over, and then suddenly at the end of the month, they're not drinking Coke anymore. And now they're down to only one takeaway a week. And that is going to have a huge impact on their health. They're going to lose weight from that without even feeling like it was a chore and that was something that was really eye-opening to me because i felt that like when i first became a pt i had to like you know change everything right okay no sugar in your diet and know this and know that and i'm gonna you know try and like beast you in pretty much every single workout which was really i can see now how counterintuitive it was and um sorry how counterproductive it was for the for my clients because i was just bombarding them with way too much
2: yeah,
3: and so now, like, my yeah,
2: yeah. it's weird
3: that the, the longer I've been in the game, and the more I know, the more simple my programs are, the more simple my approach to nutrition is, and it's become like even more basic to the point where like, I'll give a client a program, they're like, "Rich, are you sure this is the right program? Like, it looks too looks really easy." And I'm just like, "Yeah, yeah, don't worry about that for now. Like, just 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 stick with it for a bit, and let's see how we go."
1: I've got a client who's just starting a new program this week this is like her phase four so we've done postnatal rehab we've done um like a lot of work on um prolapse and episiotomy so much so that she has no issues with anything now and a pro, a pro, she loves CrossFit which I'm not anti-CrossFit but I'm like programming for CrossFit and I mean all that discipline because it's not mine um and her second session of the week literally has Three exercises in it, and then like a refined 21, 15, 9, so it's like 16, 10, 6, which is just kind of how many reps they do throughout. sort of their finisher as such. And that's her favorite one. And I was like, I wasn't too sure how you're we going to respond because on paper, like it's about this big. And she was like, I, I love it. And I was like, okay, why? And she was like, because I feel like I can achieve so much in it. And push my strength but also have enough left in the tank to actually still make progress later on um in my more cv based work and i was like that's the whole aim of everything we simplify and push where we can but we also match it to what you want as a client like i know that you enjoy these these side of things but also know that you want to progress with your um clean and jerk and your um your your snatch as well so they're in there, but it's not overcomplicating. It's kind of picking movements that work together that the client responds to and works well with and having a place and time for it. Whereas previously, me we'll would be kind of going through like, as you guys have done in your programme going, have I done enough on this? Have I got enough back work? And have I got enough um, hamstring-based work? In? And then it's, it is, it's it's our time in the game. And as you just said there, Rich, was like the nutrition side, the more you know, the less you realise you need to give because that's relevant for that person at that time. And it's, Mm. but again, that's training, that's investment in mentorships, that's investment in coaching. And that's something that really does, I feel, set coaches apart. You might have been in the game for 15 years, but when did you last learn something and apply it?
3: Yeah. I mean, again, another real eye-opener for me was I did a, did a little bit of interning with Saracens. And I was working with Andy Edwards, who was their Head of Strength and Conditioning and who's now actually working with the Spring Box. And when I went there, I was amazed at how simple the training was. Like so, so, so basic. And these are professional athletes who are playing a, you know, a full contact sport at the highest level. And I'm asking him about it and I was like, you know, so what's the reason behind it? And he just said, Rich. We train rugby players. If what we do in the gym doesn't make them a better rugby player, we don't do it. So he goes, if I, you know, if someone's absolutely smashed to bits because they did way too much, you know, lower body work and now they're sluggish and slow around the pitch, it hasn't helped them. Mm. And it was just, it was that. And it was just, it was that. It's like, what's going to help them be a better rugby player? That is my job. It's not my job to beat people, to thrash them or anything Mm -hmm. like that. It's like, what's going to help them? Yeah, we had um,
2: Tim Swinson on, who's from Saracens. Uh, same, same sort of thing, just um, get ready for the week. And he says he trains very differently to the twilight years of his career as he did when he was early. And um, he's, yeah, basically echoing the same things, like very different. He was, you know, for him, he was saying, you know what, the leg press is great for me on paper. You would say I wouldn't get any of my players doing a leg press. Whereas he's like, nah, totally squatting just fatigues me too much at the moment. Leg press hits me in the right areas, getting a bit of work in, it's great. And I was like, yeah. It absolutely makes sense to include it in an example there. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of like The Tigers
3: once did an entire season and their main lower body movement was leg press. Mm
2: -hmm.
3: And it's just like this is a premiership side. Like these are professional athletes and people get like way too fixated on certain things and they think that the successful teams have got like some magic thing that they do. Absolutely Mm -hmm. not absolutely no i agree with you that i'm
2: 100 on that one absolutely man so i think the um basically we'll we'll sort of bring it to a close but i think the main points of today was kind of you know focusing on the you know what is actually important what's going to change you you know not my majoring in the minors and you know just sort of breaking it down i think if you know this has come away from here it'd be certainly what small changes can you make to your training your lifestyle diet that can, you know, add up every day. We talk about percentages, 1% every day. What can you do to sort of slowly build that momentum up and get that train rolling? And, you know, if you did one little thing every day, you did that every day for nine months, you'll be
3: in a completely different place, eh?
1: Yeah. I read this awesome
3: stat about Djokovic, um, the tennis player, and it said that when he was something like 60-something in the world and versus when he was number one in the world, is like he only improved his game by 5% but it meant every single game he was winning 5% more 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 points and that was the difference that got him to number 1 and like people really underestimate small changes really underestimate them. and um they can't they didn't see that it's like i always say like small it's like compound interest it starts out small and then it snowballs and it grows out and it grows out and it grows out and um yeah, like I said, just people majoring in the miners they put in so much work and they don't get much out of it, unfortunately. And that's where I'm a big fan of the small stuff. Absolutely. Well,
0: it's been great to have you on today, Richard. Um, I think we've Thanks so to much. Catch a, another quality professional on who we can kind of bounce ideas off. That's not just chasing after people's money. So yeah, it was <laughs> definitely good to get you on, have a, a bit of a talk in shop. So... I mentioned it earlier, but where, if people want to follow you, kind of like see your work, um, get some more information from you, where is the best place to find you? So, like, Instagram, Facebook, website?
3: It's pretty much just Instagram at the moment. Um, I'm not huge on the kind of like, I got the whole thing of like, I got away from an office job so I didn't have to be sat on a laptop all day and so like i just hate being sat at a laptop so i'm really kind of like i should have a website and stuff like this but i don't but um yeah so uh, my instagram is pretty much where people can find me which is just rac.fitness and yeah that's there and um always enjoy talking to new people and uh, I'm one of these people i can chat about fitness literally all day long so uh, yeah that's the that's the place to find me
0: awesome
3: well i will definitely be
0: um keeping an eye on your content. as I said, I had a quick look at it it all looks really, really cool. So yeah, it was great to have you on, guys. I'm sure I will speak to you too in the very near future. we chat pretty much every day now. Um so yeah, it's been great to chat. Hope everyone has a wonderful evening and we will be back next week. I think Rachel's no Dan sourced us a guest for next week. So yeah, we should have another interview next week. Um,
2: awesome. Thanks. No so enjoy the rest Great. of your day. Thanks guys. so much,
0: guys. We enjoyed that. Cheers. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thank Bye. you.
2: Bye.